With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Second and nine from inside the tent is Allen. Looks, takes off. He can run with it. Allen reaches for the pylon. And I think he has it. Wait for a signal. Finally, finally we get one of the linesmen says touchdown. I don't think we took this team too lightly. I think they played really well today. Um, you know, I talked to them all week long about their defensive line. You know, I talked to them about uh, some of their players on offense. You know, I've, I mean, I, I talked to them pretty good about it this week. So. I don't think we took them too lightly. I think they came out and kicked our butt. I have not lost faith in this football team, but it just shows you kind of what every week is a new week. you got to go out and play. And uh, just because somebody says that you're supposed to win doesn't mean that's going to happen. All right. Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com. She covers the Vikings and does an awesome job. And if you're not following her on social media, do so. What the hell happened yesterday? Man, where do you, where do you want to start? What We've got God's 40 minutes, name? so where do you want to start? Oh, man. I... <laughs> It was a complete breakdown from top to bottom. And I think that if you're the Vikings, that's at least one benefit that you're pointing fingers all over the place. It's not like, okay, you know, our defense is going to uh, be, be our, you know, curse this year. Kirk is going to be the curse this year. The offensive line. I mean, hey, it's a lot of things that need to be fixed. Um, and really, the whole term of complimentary football that they love, you know, they love talking about that in that locker room, they didn't compliment anything. Yesterday, uh, field position game was awful. They got pinned inside their 20 on eight of 12 drives, five of those starting inside the 10. Defense made no adjustments. Like the term miscommunication is apparently, you know, the crutch word now for things that go wrong. And, you know, offensively, we saw what a lot of people had kind of put the warning signs out about Kirk Cousins. Um, I don't think he saw the field at all yesterday. He had bad field vision, but. You know, to to his credit, I put the stat out from Pro Football Focus a little bit ago. You know, they gave up 29 pressures. That was a league high. And Riley Reef and Mike Remmers, your your cornerstones of your offensive line, the two Oof. pieces that weren't supposed to be the problem, yeah, are the problem. Jerry yesterday, Hughes had 15 alone, 15 pressures by himself. Pre- Old man Jerry Hughes. I'm pretty sure 14 of them. I I saw this on Twitter earlier today. I'm pretty sure I saw that 14 of them were attributed to Riley Reef. Yeah, it Did was. Did he allow 14? 14 pressures? Yeah, he had um, 12. Yeah. And Remmers, oh, had, Remmers had eight, but Remmers' pass blocking grade, who's he's a really good in he's a good pass in, in pass protection at right tackle, not necessarily at right guard, was 39.4. 
That's got to be a career low for him. And that's him. not out of 40, right? That's out of 100. That's, that's out of 100. <laughs> I just want to clarify. No, it's not good. Oh, God. Yeah, Kirk was pressured on 53.3% of his dropbacks. And, you know, I put a bunch of stats out there last night. They were dropped back on, I think, all but five. You know, I mean, they ran the ball. They barely ran the ball. They mustered 14 yards, and two of those carries uh, out of that were from Kirk yeah. on scrambles. I mean, it was... It was atrocious, and I know that every team is due a clunker here and there, but this one I can't explain. All right, so let's take let, let's go from what we can't explain to what we can and what we should be concerned about, and let's mm-hmm. start offensive line. Yeah, what do they do here now? This isn't this isn't working, and it's not a complete shock. And and let's just say, for the sake of the conversation right now, that Reef goes back to playing well. So yeah. that was an anomaly. That was just a weird game. But the rest of the line, Elfline's going to come back here. Mm-hmm. But what do you do, Courtney, to give yourself the best chance to to stabilize th- this line? Because the way that things are right now, they can't really pass protect well, and their run defense is 29th. It's been terrible. Yeah. So there's nothing there's nothing redeeming about this group through three games. No, I think that what you have to do, and whether whether anybody's playing through injuries or not, and you hear maybe maybe Mike Remmers is banged up a little bit, move him back to where he's best. Move mm-hmm. him to right tackle. They yep. need the pass protection on the bookend. And I think that, you know, you take a guy like Brett Jones who's played two games, he has two two NFL starts at left guard. Try him out at right guard or put Tom Compton at right guard and put Brett Jones at left guard. I think that you have options um, and you have to do something because let's be real. This is the group they're going to be dealing with for the rest of the year. Dealing with is the right way to, cl- yes. to classify yeah. that. It's yeah. very 2016-esque. Uh, you know, and yes, you, you hope that is. you hope that the injuries, at least for their sake, don't start to amount like they did in 2016. But Regardless of what happens, if you trade anybody at the deadline, it's not going to be a player for a player. You're probably going to trade somebody if it's, you know, if it is, if Anthony Barr, Mackenzie Alexander, the names that, you know, were brought up throughout the offseason as potential trade candidates. Um, if that does happen, that's probably for a third round pick or, or fourth round pick next year. I mean, that's for the future. You're not going to be fixing it with personnel this year. Um, because they just don't, they have no money. They're they're so strapped against the cap right now. We got right no now. food. We got no jobs. Our pets' <laughs> heads are falling off. That's probably what the, what it feels like in the offensive line room. Um, you know, it's really tough when you take a look at this position group. Everything they've been through, and starting back with the death of Tony Sperano two two three months ago. Now, I mean, they really haven't recovered from that, and I think that that's probably playing a bigger role in this whole thing and just kind of how everything's fallen apart. You know, probably more than people realize. Yeah, they really miss Nick Easton, don't they? Yeah, he he's incredibly <laughs> athletic. Um, you know, for for somebody who you know, he kind of had his ups and downs throughout the preseason when he was filling in at center, which clearly not the position he was going to play this year. Um, it was tough, and I think losing Nick Easton, you lose the screen game and the effectiveness to be able to get out to the second level. Um, that has not been replaced with Tom Compton, despite his. Stellar pro football focus grades, which I'm sure Mike Zimmer would, you know, to give everybody a little bit of a precautionary tale to not take too much stock into things like that. But it's been, I think, with Manny, what they really miss. I mean, the fact is, we've been talking about this since April. They never replaced Joe Berger. Yeah. They never drafted his replacement. But even before that, they don't have their swingman. They don't have their Jeremiah Searles of this year. Um, you lost Aviant Collins, and and right now Brian O'Neill. I mean, he he looked okay again yesterday. I think in in reserve time and having to fill in for Rashad Hill again because of the ankle injury. But 
I don't know if he's ready to really take on that role full time. I mean, they need... and these next two games, the Rams and Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah, good luck. These Thursday night games can get weird sometimes, where you the results are just sort of dependent on who's available. So mm-hmm. I guess do it's so early in the in the week to even know, and they don't have to put an injury report out. But is a like Dalvin Cook? Is he? Do we have any idea? Is he going to be available I, on Thursday? I think he will be. Everson's probably not at this point, based yeah. on personal issue and For, based on a lot of the ambiguity that we just don't know about. I mean, we didn't we didn't talk to Mike Zimmer on Monday. Um, they you know they things change on a short week. We'll get him tomorrow, so hopefully a little bit more clarity there. But Dalvin did talk today. I think that you know everything that. You know, he indicated in, in in sources that I spoke with last week were, you know, kind of showing this was more of a precautionary thing. The hamstring injury is in the same leg that he tore his ACL. You're going to play that a little bit more safer than you would. I mean, we thought they wouldn't have needed him against the Bills. And heck, who, yeah. know, who knows love, what would have happened? That narrative was, and, and I am as guilty as anyone. Manny and I sat here for an hour before the game started, pregame Vikings vent line, and just for. You know, in the second half, you really should think about putting in your backup quarterback. <laughs> and as it turns out, they maybe should have. They but should for, have, the yeah, other, for different reasons. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but with, with Dalvin, he said, you know, today he's still on the day-to-day plan for now. But I would expect him to play Thursday. Um, I mean, that's going to be tough, though, when you go up against a defensive line that has Aaron Donald and, and Damakon Sue, uh with the state of your offensive line coming off this Peters game. is out now. For them, is that it sounds? Yeah, it sounds right. like Peters. I just pulled up the tweet from Schefter not that long ago. Here we go. I right, saw keep to keep to leaves out. Something happened with him too. Yeah. yeah, he has a high ankle sprain, I believe. Yeah, high ankle sprain. It's going to sideline him a month, and then Marcus Peters strained his calf. Okay. So that's going to be day to day. I doubt that if you strain your calf, you're playing on Thursday. That that just to me seems like, you know, that's not going to happen. Which should, in theory, be. Music to Kirk Cousins' ears. He's yeah. going to be without you know two of the top pieces in their secondary. But heck, Buffalo's secondary wasn't very good, and he had he had very little field vision. I mean, didn't have a lot of time to throw. But um, it just didn't matter then. You know, going against whoever that dude was from the Patriots practice squad a year ago, and then was starting, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. you know, starting in their secondary corner. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. This I don't know. It it felt like I said this to these guys during a commercial break. If we if I didn't know any better. And I, I don't think this is the case, but it felt like the type of performance that you would put out if you were quitting on a coach or something. Or like, the coach is about to get fired and this is what happens on the field. And I don't think, I'm pretty sure they still buy into Mike Zimmer. And I, and, but I guess it, it was such an abnormally weird performance. For them to even come back in the second half would have made you think, per Judd's point, off the top of the 4 o'clock hour, oh, okay, well, that was a bad half. And then they yeah. came back and, well, they lost a close one. Too bad they had a bad first half. It was just three hours of Tony Romo making fun of them, even on the broadcast. <laughs> like, what is happening? I wish I had heard that now. Yeah, that, um, I think the whole miscommunication thing, I'm I'm tired of hearing that word. I want to hear a little bit more about, like, what actually is happening. We talked to Mike Hughes a little bit today, and on that play, the yeah. Jason Kroom, the touch, uh, the tight yeah. end touchdown, once again, tight what ends are still a doing? problem. Well, he raised his arm. It was, it was, it was, um, he was, it was basically a check that they constantly make if they see, you know, that if they anticipate a swing pass. And so he bit on the screen. Oh, that's when he raised his that's arm. That's when he okay, raised yeah. Yeah. We talked about that. In the game, I remember and we talked about that. And it looked like he was that. saying, I need help here. We thought it was help, but it sounds, apparently talking to him today, he said, okay, that's, that's his, that's his cue basically to Kendricks. Oh. Hey, I've got. You know, I've got the guy who I've got the running back essentially because we thought it was going to be a screen pass, and then he bites on that, and then Kroom goes down the field, and Kendricks can't get over in time. So it's nice to hear things like that, 
But I just don't think that we get that much. I mean, forthcoming and that's all becoming, that often. And the the problem with that play in particular, though, is it's becoming way too common now. Yeah. Like we're seeing it two times a game sometimes. San well, Francisco, yeah, Green Bay. What's well, the common denominator here? There's no Terrence Newman at nickel. I mean, I think that that's, that's a huge point. problem. And I and I asked Hughes about it today. I mean, like, are you talking to Terrence on the sideline? I mean, you have a tremendous resource. Somebody who has played this position at an incredibly high level for a number of years. Um, and you're saying, you know, yeah, he and McKenzie, you know, they talk after every single time they come off the field, good or bad. Um, I just think that maybe the Vikings might have underestimated a little bit the, the how much you know the, how ready Mackenzie Alexander is to play this position and you know Mike Hughes the same I mean Hughes and Alexander before Trey Waynes went down mm-hmm. were you know splitting some reps in there and I think the injuries have made it very tricky uh, to to solidify somebody that's going to play there and I think this week if we don't see George Iloka I'm gonna just I, I don't know I don't know what's that is going a, that's on a it's really very weird. Yeah. very yeah, I was gonna ask about that too yeah, like why have we not seen him at all actually let's talk more about that and just in general okay what's the counter now to what happened what's the response going to be on Thursday night and going forward Eagles these next two games are going to sort of validate or invalidate what happened against the Buffalo Bills Courtney Cronin is part of our football Good hour ball. today that's right, with Matthew Collar out in Los Angeles. So we'll come back plenty more. We'll wrap with Roycey later this hour. But Judd Zolgad, you have a friend on the line. We're just, let's just carry this conversation during the break onto the radio. George Iloka has been a solid, I'm not going to say spectacular, but a, a very solid defensive starter in the NFL. Mike Zimmer brought him in, and you thought, man, when that when that move was made, you're thinking, oh, what are the possibilities? Are they going to put three safeties on the field? Is he going to play? A, is he going to take the spot of a linebacker? Like, and he hasn't even seen the field. He's played zero snaps to this point, correct? In three uh, games on defense, yeah, he's played a little bit of special teams here and there, but I thought for sure he was going to play against Buffalo. I mean, that just seemed like that was the plan. Okay. You could kind of understand it from the perspective of Mike Zimmer. Hey, this is my guy. I drafted him. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I know what he can do. I know what his skill set is. I'm not going to throw him into the fire before he's ready. Yeah, he knows 85% of the playbook. What he, That's what he said when he came in, or 85% of the calls. Still going to take some time when you get an iPad with a document that's got about 400 pages on it or whatever he said of the playbook. That was like um, Judd reading uh, the HR and benefits policies here at Harvard. He's like, I can't. Oh, I just tossed yeah, them yeah. aside. I didn't read them. I got the document, but I just tossed them aside. Did you get all 400 pages in print or on an iPad? Oh, print. Oh, print. Oh, I'm not doing iPads. Okay. Uh-uh. Too old. Too old. <laughs> that's fair. Well, I think with Iloka, I mean, you, you could look at it as, okay, he wasn't ready, but then again... When everything was going, you know, hit the fan yesterday, especially with the nickel position, why not bring Iloka in and move Harrison Smith to potentially, you know, if you want to keep Iloka as a deep safety, you know, let Harrison Smith play nickel. I mean, they just had so many miscommunication issues um, from that position. And I honestly think one person you can't let off the hook here uh, is Eric Hendricks. He has not been playing well at all the first three games. Maybe that's there. There might be some underlying things there. I mean, obviously he's got some personal stuff going on with his brother facing severe jail time for insider trading. But still playing now. Still playing. Um, Go Seahawks! I love the NFL. Go um, Seahawks! <laughs> and that's obviously you're going to jail, but not yet. That's all. Football! Yeah, yeah, football! Yeah, I'm going to jail for a few years, but right yes. now I'm playing ball. Yes. And that's all pure speculation. That's just from like the human standpoint. Because yeah, I mean, he's sense. he's incredibly sharp. He's one of I think he's a better linebacker than than Anthony Barr. I know that's not that's not like a groundbreaking thing to say. Uh, certainly better uh, in the run, but he just kind of looked lost out there yesterday and. 
the communication issues, a lot of that stemmed from, okay, you know, who am I helping here? Who am I responsible for? Um, yeah, that was that was not that was weird. But I think with as it goes back to Iloka, um, if we don't see him against the Rams, I think that there's it, it, there's a deeper question that needs to be answered here of okay, why did you bring this guy in who's supposed to be an incredibly stout depth piece for you if yeah. he's not playing? What the hell is going on with Anthony Barr though? Oh man, um, he was didn't awful look good. in that first half. Yeah, I love it when when like the horse the horse collar penalty. When, so he rides he rides Josh Allen to the ground uh, out of bounds and then immediately throws his hands up in the air. The I didn't do yeah. anything and then looks like, wait, what are you, what are you throwing well, the flag at me? It's like if you immediately throw your hands gosh. in the air, you know you're guilty. Well, I turned to Judd and said, that's BS. They, he, I know that offensive players and everybody on Twitter wants to act like this is my first football game I've ever seen. I know that offensive players and especially quarterbacks can get away with a stiff arm. He Josh Allen had his hand in, in Barr's face mask, yeah. and mm. that nothing was called in it. That was for several yards downfield yeah. as he got trucked outside. Of course, you know Barr trying to make the tackle. I'm not, you know, it I'm not, been it's a, not yeah, a hill yeah. I'm going to die on. But both penalties should have been Just called. Offset it. Yes, yeah. and it was ridiculous over. because that was a clear face mask, and quarterbacks do get away with a lot. Do, I mean, I'm all about it. Do you guys? Let me ask you this. So I want to. I'll start with Judd on this and go around there. Do you guys think? That the Vikings, the Vikings getting called for a lot of 15-yard penalties defensively early in the season here, and going back to the Aaron Rodgers controversy and the the rules emphasis, just everything that's happened in the last year with rules emphasis and 15-yard penalties in the first three weeks, is this defense either currently gun shy or do you think they'll start to become gun shy? Because I feel like they ride that edge. They're all very much Andrew Sandejo like, and that we're going to ride that edge and make quarterbacks uncomfortable, and we're going to lay the wood. And now the NFL is saying, ah, you can't really do it that. It looked anymore. like Linval Joseph tried to do that yeah. when they had Josh Allen bottled up and he soared they, in there with his helmet. They are, they are, I would classify them as selectively gun shy. The, the Linval hit was stupid. Yeah. There was, Eric Wilson had Allen. He was bringing him to the ground. It's textbook of everyone peel off. And he flew in there, and that was stupid. So I would say they are, and there, there was also, I want to say there was one or two hits the bar made where bar, you could tell, is is thinking as he's about to make the hit, okay, mm-hmm. don't do it this way, don't do it this way, don't do it. So I think they've become selectively gun-shy, but are they smart across the board? No. They're I, not. I think with bar, I'm kind of confused as to how he's being used right now. He was sent in on four pass rushing snaps. That's it. Yesterday, that's kind of weird. I mean, mm. you, you say we thought he'd be, yeah, yeah, right. he thought he'd be part of the defensive line rotation, and you know, or not, not even sorry, not the rotation, but just you know, I don't think they blitz them at all. It, it really didn't look like that. The so, entire thing was weird. You know, maybe it's part of that. Uh, to your point, to your point, Phil, I think that they are a little gun shy on some, of, especially Bar. I mean. You know, and you take a look at kind of the whole the whole thing this year kind of started with him last year against Green Bay. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, it's so difficult because if you're trying to tackle the quarterback, you have to hit this like strike zone and you're going to fall on the guy by doing that anyways, unless you can physically defy the law of gravity, essentially, and roll off somebody midair. It's it's tough. And, you know, the penalties, though, that were called in that first drive were just boneheaded. 
That that one that Linville did like this afterwards, and it's like, oh my god, turn around! <laughs> yeah. You just cost them fifteen <laughs> yards, yeah, and that's going to be a nice little fine cha- taken out of your paycheck. Which Sheldon Richardson says it's it's a direct deposit essentially. You don't actually see the money taken out. So I guess that's nice. Comes out of your paycheck. You don't have to like cut nice. a check or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, then Barr had the um, you know Barr had the face mask tackle. I mean, thirty yards of penalties on that first drive alone. Yeah. that shot them in the foot. I think from that point out. You know, maybe they were trying to overcompensate, and maybe that's the reason. I think, though, that that, that drive and, and the stupidity of the penalties on that drive were a byproduct of the stupidity of the game that w- we were about to see from them. Like, I don't think that those plays, I, I don't think you say, well, you take those out and they start fine. I think their mindset or mentality was so goofed up that that was them. It that was been. them. <laughs> that, that was indicative of what we, we were about to see. And that's where I go to, okay, what's the why? They're not supposed to quit here. They're not going to quit. They're three games in. They're they're an NFC championship yeah. caliber team. We we aren't gonna we aren't gonna know the meaning behind that performance until after the Rams and the Eagles games. Because yeah. if they go out and they beat How the Rams do they respond? on Yeah, if they go and they beat the yeah. Rams on Thursday, or even if they get one of these games and look what? fairly impressive, you're gonna think, Oh, okay, well, that was a really bad loss, but they're definitely they're definitely back. Okay, they're two, two, and one, and they just beat either L.A. or Philadelphia in a in a tough situation. Now, if they go out and they get trounced in both these games, okay, now we're talking deep rooted. Now, now you're not making the playoffs. Now we're talking. I mean, is it is it too much of a hot take to say that the season is sort of on the line with these next two games? No, and I think we knew that though. We knew that the the stretch that they have here. This is the hardest stretch of their schedule because honestly, from here on out, it's a hard game here and there cushioned between, you know, bye weeks and, you know, the Lions. So, I mean, there's, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not taking, I'm not calling BS on the Lions yet. I think that last night was a good win for them, but I mean. Don't take games lightly. I don't, I will not take this game lightly. Not after what we did with Buffalo. We laughed at that game. I know we did. We really did. But I mean, I think that that's, you know, a very good point. There's, there's, there's reason to believe that. Their their season could be decided before week six because crawling out of a one three and one hole is very difficult. The third column there confuses me too. It's like okay, I, I hate this. I have to do too much math in my head, and then are they above or below a team oh. that's kind of close in the standings? The tie thing throws you off. And by the way, <laughs> let's we we have not brought this up all day. Let's bring up special teams. Okay, yeah. Wait, say that again. Let's bring up special teams. Football, football, yeah, football. <laughs> Let's go deeper. You've got a punter now. <laughs> hey, you hang time and distance, baby. Had a 31 yard, yard and a 39er. <laughs> you took two penalties in the first quarter, I think, on special teams. Yep. Your special teams, which a year ago, if I'm not mistaken, was pretty damn good. Last few years. Honestly, since Prefer got here in 2011, they've been right now. fantastic. But yeah, I mean, it all, it, looking back at the Daniel Carlson thing now, it's kind of like, well, mm-hmm. you know, it's, they had to do it. But, I mean, if it's not one thing, it's another. If it's not Carlson. Ryan quickly really that bad? I don't think so. I, I, that's the one thing I didn't understand. And it's like, why did you wait till, I mean, when Marquette King was available in March? You could have gone after him if you really didn't yeah. like quickly back then. Um, he's I don't, a great follow on Twitter, by oh, the way. Oh, he's fantastic. Marquette King, he's uh, fantastic, yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a he's a little wild, but yeah. um, no, I covered him in in uh, Oakland. He was a great great talker in the locker room that year, but then he decided he didn't want to do it anymore. So um, no, I mean 
there's there's a lot to be said here. Uh, I know that when when Zimmer was asked yesterday about why they lost the game and a lot of the contributions to that, he mentioned bringing the ball out of the end zone on kickoffs, which, yep. you know, I don't... You think back to, you know... There's just been like a lot of like boneheaded, like, what are you doing? Like, what is Hughes doing on a, multiple of those start, giving them like an average start yeah. from like the 18 yard line? What is Stacey Coley doing last week by not downing the ball or just letting it go out of the yeah, end zone, was, yeah, flipping it. it to the ref? Like, do they not know the rules? Okay. And that's on them. I'm no, not going to blame didn't. that on, co- honestly, I'm not going to blame that on coaching. I think that that's on them. You're an adult and you play in the NFL. Like, figure it out. But I mean, he was probably instructed to take the ball out of the end zone there. And clearly, Zimmer, you know, it killed them in the field position game. They had to start, you know, pinned deep in their own territory, and then Kirk fumbles the ball twice on back-to-back drives, and that kills their defense. Complimentary football. You're complimentary screwing each other, like, the whole time, and that's a problem. But I I think, you know, if special teams are, you know, on the hot seat, then it's going to get, you know, it could get worse this week because I believe the Rams blocked a punt yesterday. Um, and obviously, Green Bay did it. Chargers in a, punt in the end zone, right? I think you're yeah. right. And is that a call for Thursday night? Going to get another one of these block punt touchdown situations? That doesn't happen to the Vikings. They never, oh, clearly never. Yeah. Um, let's. Yeah, I, I feel like everything that's been everything that's been said critically is is 100 percent warranted because you don't get to live that loss down. Let's let's keep it this, the conversation going. Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com, uh, TCL Broadcast Studios. It's the Football Hour with Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd are back. You're about to make a whole lot of people around here real happy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. Hey, you want to win a 55-inch TCL Roku TV? Join me at Stubb and Herbs in Minneapolis from 5 to 7 this Saturday for the ultimate college football viewing party with Dos Equis. Come enjoy an ice-cold one and register to win that new TV. More details at 1500ESPN.com, keyword events. Thank you, Manny. We'll wrap with Royce here in about 10 minutes. Courtney Cronin's been kind enough to hang out with us in studio for uh, the football hour here. Collar is in Los Angeles covering Rams and Vikings this week. And right now, just for fun, caller number three to 651-646-8255. You get a four-pack of tickets for the Minnesota Zoo Jack-O-Lantern Spectacular, which runs throughout the entire month of October. So let's go. Caller number three to 651-646-8255 or 877-615-1500. Four-pack of tickets to the Minnesota Zoo Jack-O-Lantern Spectacular all throughout the month of October. All right, gun to the head. Not that you would ever be forced literally against your will with a gun to your head right. to predict a football schedule. You never know. This is the football hour. It is. Yeah, it's exactly true. Right. It's true. We're going to up the stakes. Courtney's actually. got a good point there. <laughs> <laughs> um, did, would, you, would you guess that this loss to the Bills was a blip on the radar and this team will eventually smooth it out and make the playoffs? Or was it a sign of what usually comes the year after the Vikings traditionally make it to the NFC Championship game, which is a catastrophic follow-up? <sighs> I'll probably go. I'm going to try to be optimistic right now for for myself and having to cover this team and not wanting to cover a dumpster fire. Fans, thank you of this, I'm sure. Yeah, you'd like to think. I mean, you paid $84 million for Kirk Cousins. You knew bad Kirk, essentially, is what, you know, it, it's bottled up within the excellent stuff he did the first two weeks of the season. Um, there were a lot of issues yesterday on defense that I'm not sure what's the miscommunication as as we mentioned before but it just it seems like it's deeper than that i'm wondering you know 
Is there some sort of rift going on? I mean, what what is the cause for a lot of these issues? Um, you know, certainly we you know we don't know a lot of details about the Everson Griffin situation. Mike Zimmer called it a personal matter, but was that an effect on the team? Uh, you know, depending upon whatever that was, was and that how long a, will he be out? Exactly, which we don't know. Um, you know, it, it's. It's early. I think that the benefit of this thing is that it's not the Colts loss in 2016. You're not, you know, this is not a loss where it's going to make you back your way into the playoffs. But these next two weeks, you really can't have any screw ups. You can't have any sort of any more blips on the radar because all of a sudden your radar, you know, just becomes a a white screen and you're already looking towards 2019. What do you think, Joe? I know. I know what you think. Well, I'm deeply, I'm deeply disturbed by one thing, which is. There, My optimism? There are no, no, no. I'm not disturbed by that. There are areas that they had every opportunity to address and take care of, and they didn't. Oh yes. And I always think when you don't do that, it's tempting the gods of your sport potentially. And so you don't draft a guard because you're like, well, we've got Nick Easton at the other guard, and then we, and then you don't have him. And the Vikings, the thing that the Spielman and they, they've done, he's done some good things too. So this is not an indictment completely. But the thing that the Spielman regime has done a lot of times is they've seemed to get overconfident in their own abilities to fix things. Mm-hmm. And those things are catching up to them now and more is going wrong. So I, I think if you, if they had addressed what they should have, then you're going to have, there are certain things from there that are going to go wrong because that's just the course of a season. But when you pile those things now on top of the things that you had every opportunity in April to sit there and take care of X, Y, and Z and you didn't, that concerns me because I really do believe that the football gods will bite you in the ass when given the chance. I agree with you that they got a little cute with the Hughes pick, with not addressing right guard, and with Carlson. I think there were you, – you shake your head with the draft and you know kind of wonder – we, you know, the team actually traded up into the fifth round to get a kicker when this has been proven that this does not work. Hello, Robert Aguayo. Um, that to me is a, a gigantic red flag. And, you know, it goes back to what Mike Zimmer said after week one, where he's kind of throwing a little jab in there at the end of, you know, Mike Hughes had a very up and down day, very, you know, it, it was a great performance couched by a really good interception. But um, there were bits and pieces of it that you're like, okay. He's still a rookie, still made a lot of mistakes there uh, with the misdirection and everything else. But he said that, you know, oh, yeah, everybody was complaining about the corner that we took, you know, in the draft. I think he's pretty good. No one was complaining about Mike Hughes as a bad pick. People were complaining about the fact that you have an offensive line that got significantly worse when when Joe Berger retired. And on top of that, you drafted in the second round, you drafted Brian O'Neill, which fine offensive lineman, but nowhere near ready to play who they even said themselves was a project player. Yep. So you're not, you're not expecting to get anything out of him for God knows how long. Yeah. See, the, I, I would say just to, cause I'm, I'm with Courtney to back to the original question. Yeah. This isn't the way that people envision that game going on Sunday. Uh, but two things, I do think it's a blip unless they get trounced in these next two games. Now all of a sudden, okay, they've, they've validated a bad loss with, with two performances against litmus test teams like the Eagles and the Rams. If you're, these are, these are teams you're going to be competing against if you want to participate deep in the playoffs in the NFC. But if you look at the standings right now across the NFC, uh, the, the Packers are one, one and one, the Falcons are one and two, the saints are off to a rough start. Uh, they've allowed 103 points already defensively. This is the old saints defense that, that, 
ruined about five years of Drew Brees' career. Um, Seattle is down and out. San Francisco now without Jimmy Garoppolo. So, I mean, the NFC is either weakened because of teams like San Francisco and Seattle bowing out, or teams like Atlanta off to a slow start. Even Philadelphia hasn't looked great yet. So, um, the Rams are about the only team in the NFC that look the way they're supposed to mm-hmm. so far. And this is, is supposed to be the battle of, you know, predicting potentially the NFC championship. What's that Fox now? Now it counts. Now the game means they, they've come up with, they basically have, have come up with a Thursday night slogan oh saying, these games, previ- are, these games are good. We previously <laughs> fed you crap, but that wasn't us. No, not I, Fox. You don't like these games. I honestly think the slogan is these games are good. And they, and they took the, the word actually it. out because they didn't want to, you know, ruin the NFL. I saw but- this. And I said to myself, they're basically telling you, we've been feeding you crap on Thursdays for a long time, but now we're not, so watch. Yeah. Uh, all right, we got we to gotta bounce here. But, Courtney, great stuff. Thanks for coming in. And, of course. Uh, this was your first participation in the Mackie and Judd Football Hour. How did it feel? It felt like football. It felt really good. Come on! Football! Yes. Mashed potatoes and... We talk, of meat. we talk special teams. We did. We dove deep into the special teams. We didn't get to talk curl routes though. I was really hoping to talk some underneath curl Kyler routes. Kyler has to be here. For I, that. I wish. Yeah, I'm gonna call. Co- I'm gonna go call him on my way home and just uh, like foam at the mouth about football. Emergency, <laughs> emergency curl route podcast. Football <laughs> next week. Next week, place holding. Holding wow. kicks. Okay. Boy, that's important. Holding for that kicks. Is. That's, well, that's what I all. Get that's into. all that Dan Bailey got to do. <laughs> really <is. laughs> right? Or, no, Dan, I mean, he didn't get to do but my, Matt no, Weil. He, uh, oh, Dan yeah. Bailey had a great warm-up session. Yeah. And that was onside kick. That side kick was good. He had a really he good onside, onside kick. kick. That was it. That's that was right. Dan Bailey's day. And that's the right. opening kickoff. And the opening kickoff. <laughs> and That wasn't even returned. Yeah. He's like, I should have gone to Cleveland for this. All right, we'll wrap with Royce when we come back. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh. It's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Please keep working during the following announcement. Mackie and Judd are back on 1500 ESPN. Quick look at traffic here. 394 eastbound. We still have that crash uh, in Minneapolis between uh, Penn Avenue and Lake Street. So be on the lookout for that. That's the... Uh, Adding about four or five minutes to your commute if you're headed uh, into uh, towards downtown Minneapolis. So be on the lookout for that. Did you hear Manny go into traffic guy voice for the first three words of that? Quick look at your traffic here. Quick look at your traffic. Hey, buddy. That was very quick. It was great. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's wrap with Roycey. And he's going to help us settle a debate from earlier in the show in uh, a couple minutes. But what did you learn? You were at Timberwolves Media Day today. Were you just eating popcorn, watching everything unfold? Or did you learn anything, Pat? Well, I was surprised that Tibbs went at it right uh, off the bat. He didn't. Yeah. Uh, he didn't try to uh, mess around with the idea that Jimmy maybe didn't ask to be traded. He admitted he asked to be traded, and uh, and I think uh, I think we all do have a misperception that because t- because Jim Jimmy Butler's agent named three ten teams that happened to have cap space to uh, some reporters that those are the only teams they can trade him to. They can trade him to 29 teams. They don't care right. whether Jimmy Butler signs an extension or not. Uh, Brooklyn uh, and and many of these uh, people who are complaining they aren't taking their phone calls are people that, you know, like the Cleveland Cavaliers. There's no deal. There's no deal with the Cleveland Cavaliers. There's no deal with Brooklyn. There's probably not a deal with the Clippers. 
And, uh, you know, if Philadelphia calls, I guarantee you they'll listen to them, or Miami, or somebody like that. But uh, this idea that uh, they're not taking calls, well, they're not taking calls from people that they don't think they can make a deal with that would give them any kind of value. So that's that's my, you know, I think the, the thing that they're being hard-headed about this is uh, not true. I think they want to make a good trade, and they have to, really, don't they? Hey Pat, what what's your the the one thing that I took away and found to be the most intriguing was when Tibbs came out and said that Jimmy is rehabbing and basically so he's not he's not going to be on the floor now. Tibbs ordinarily won't tell you what day of week it is. I thought that was interesting that he volunteered up a piece of information that in a Belichickian way he would never give us. Well, I think what he was saying was this is their excuse for not uh, applying any discipline to Jimmy for uh, not uh, participating in practice, don't you? Uh, that they're going to give him a week to continue to, uh, you know, get in shape and rehab or whatever it is, but not participate in practice. Uh, I think what they're they're basically saying, okay, we'll give you a week, but if we haven't had a trade, then we expect you to join the team. So that's, he, that's how that's how I perceive that. But he can't. I mean, they got to get a deal done this week, right, Pat? They can't. They can't I let him show up. And I, just, I had a chance to talk to the uh, coach out in the hallway afterwards, and uh, I I don't think they're going to make a bad now. I think they're a little. Now he didn't tell me this, but I get the perception they're a little nervous that Glenn will get on the phone and make some dumbass trade like every other one he's ever made. Uh, but uh, I, I think that you know if they got to put Jimmy in uniform and have him uh, play two weeks of the preseason before they make a trade, I think they're willing to do that. I wonder how Jimmy would respond to that. They said, "Listen, Jimmy, we need you to come well, play a couple I, preseason games." I think he's here. What are his options, Phil? I mean, he's got to play this season or he does not become a free agent. He, you know, they can, he doesn't get his money. It's not like he can refuse to play. If he doesn't play this season, he does not become a free agent. Yeah. I I think in the game of chicken, I think the wolves are, the wolves are certain to, to blink or veer off course before Jimmy would though. I don't think the Wolves are going to do. Do you think there's any chance I, I, the Wolves would would stare down the rest of the league and Jimmy and say, "No, we're, you're going to play in the regular season"? I feel like Tibbs might, but Glenn, I, I won't. think he, but Glenn I won't. think he would. Well, but uh, you know, I, I do think that uh, it's that they think they can make a good trade. I think there is a market for this guy. They kept saying top ten. He's not top ten, but he's top fifteen, and I think there's a market for him. I don't know, Miami. If you give them Georgie, Gorgie, and him, and get Josh Richardson and Whiteside back, would you do that? Ooh, Whiteside is is Whiteside Whiteside's is making twenty two million for two years. Yeah, uh, he's discontented in Miami. He's not happy. Uh, he worries uh, me. He came out of nowhere. You could probably trade Butler and get uh, Josh Richardson and something else too back. So. I just the, the thing with Gorgie though, Pat. I just don't think there's anybody that's going to be like, yeah, I'll take Gorgie. I just that that he had such a bad year and that money, the, the, well, the per year average and the amount of years that are left, I think scares I a lot think of people. That's part of their uh, strategy in trading Butler. Is to get you to, to try and get out of yeah, and them get somebody back. You know uh, that they're after. Is Kelly Kelly Olnick in Miami now? Yes, Miami. yes, yes. Yep. 
Yeah, that okay. Kelly Olnick and uh, Richardson for Gorgie and uh, you know and Butler. I don't know something like that. There's a lot better chance he's going to go to Miami than uh, the Clippers and uh, Washington. Or who do you name the Clippers? Brooklyn and, uh, Nets and the, and the Knicks. Knicks. Yeah, and the Knicks. And the Knicks. Yeah, the Knicks. Yeah, they're 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 they don't. I can tell you this: they don't feel any pressure to trade him to one of those three teams. That's just a wish from the agent. Uh, that You know, this agent who has one client, by the way, Jimmy Butler, is looking around at the teams that can bring him and Kyrie together right. and pay them both the max. And that's, you know, there's 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 no... They, they don't feel any more pressure to trade him to one of those three teams than they do to the Bucks or somebody like that. They don't they don't care where they trade him, depending I, on what the best deal is. I would rather trade him to the East, though, too. I don't. I, I wouldn't want to play. I don't want to play him four times. A year. I want to see Cat and him have to sh- awkwardly shake yeah, hands before the game four times. <laughs> that's hey, what I want to see on the floor. Cat that's what I'm saying. Today they had no problems. They had respect. Yeah, sure. They they yeah. Each other from hey, Pat. Until the end. Pat Vikings. Where, where does what we saw on Sunday rank for you in all time? Uh, not only stinkers, but absolutely shocking surprises from this franchise. Uh, uh, the regular. It really was the regular season version of 41 Donuts. It really, I mean, as far as a shock, I mean, you got to remember the Vikings were two point favorites to beat the Giants that uh, in that uh, NFC title game when they didn't show up. But I, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I was, I have no idea. I mean, whatever's going on with Everson Griffin might have thrown him off a peg a little emotionally, but man alive, this was unbelievable. Yeah. And I, I'm really fair, worried now that uh, Kirk Cousins has small hands. Have we done the small hands thing on Kirk? Why don't we get quarterbacks with full-size hands? It's ridiculous. We had Dante had small hands. Teddy had small hands. And now we got another guy with small hands. Get him some gloves. You got to get him some gloves. <laughs> Teddy never fumbled. Get him the gloves. All right, Pat, you can help us settle a debate from earlier in the show. Okay. Is it is it a hot take? Or what was the segment you guys did? We had, steam zone. Yeah, uh, the steam zone. We had a hot take, piping hot take, and scalding hot take. All right. Tiger Woods, best golfer in the world right now. No. Not, oh. uh, no, Judd, not Judd, top Judd five. wins. Not top five. Not top five? Not top five. Wow, I won but, by a lot. Oh. And, that's well, a he's, piping he's, hot he's sports t- take. He's entitled to play well, and uh, the rest of them didn't play great. It was a tough golf course. Hey, he hit it. Uh, he won that golf tournament on uh, Friday when he could have shot 78 if he didn't have the iron will of all time when he hit, what, six fairways or something. Yeah. And he uh, made uh, fantastic. And he rolled it, man. He made putts. He putted like a fool. So uh, so who is who is great. number one in the world then, Pat? Well, like, Justin Rose is literally number one in the world. But is that DJ where you – DJ is the best golfer in the world, I think. But how about, are you going to tune in for that $10 million showdown between Tiger? It's who, Phil? Of course Phil, he is. Who yeah. he just beat by 28 strokes? Of course he's going to pay for that. I, I pay, Pat, I mean, I, Pat, I paid for, I paid for Hell in a Cell WWE pay-per-view two weeks ago. <laughs> I, I'm in for, you can light my well, money on fire. Hell in a Cell is better than Phil. <laughs> Phil, Phil should be playing me for $10 million. <laughs> yeah, what happened to him? 
I don't know. He's 48 years old, for God's sake. I guess. Yeah, that's really old, Pat. I can can (laughs) confirm, 48. Next athletic challenge, Judd Zolgad versus Phil Mickelson. There you go. I need a nap. John Daly and Phil Mickelson for $10 million. (laughs) (laughs) I can get involved in that. that. Yeah. I'll play for 10 bucks. All right, Pat. We'll see see you tomorrow. See you, Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Yeah, I hope when, when it's funny when Phil was all hottie when they made that arrangement, it was two months ago. Yeah, Phil was playing and, well. And Tiger, yeah, Phil was playing well, and Tiger hadn't played the way that he's been playing the last two or three months. And now Phil finished dead last at the Tour Championship, shot like plus 13, Ugh. and Tiger's lighting it up, drives down the middle of the fairway. I'm glad Phil's failing. It's more fun. <laughs> Phil might want to take out some insurance on that $10 million deal. I'm sure he's got a guy. I was going to say, yeah. he can. I'm sure he'll be. <laughs> he's got a bet, guy. He'll bet on himself, literally, got no problem. All right, we'll see you guys tomorrow. This view was worth a hike. Right? And it's a good way to stay on top of my health. Yes, I'm Colaguard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. Have you screened for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. It's more treatable when caught in early stages. Tell me more. Cologuard is non-invasive and it's used at home. It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? Yep, even those in early stages. This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive results should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Cologuard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay $0. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you, or visit Cologuard.com. I'm in.